Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for episode 88 is Brian Joyner, who's finally back with us. Brian, welcome back. Episode 88, Back to the Future, Jake. I'm here. Yes, Des Bryant's number as well, so uh, maybe the maybe the Patriots will do something there. What do you think? Listeners, you don't know this, but Jake really, 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 really wants Des Bryant on the Patriots. Oh, so bad. I just think it'd be so much fun. But, you know, it's probably not going to happen because the Patriots hate fun. Anyhow, the Red Sox don't hate fun. Um, and since the last time we recorded this show, the Red Sox went on to sweep the Yankees in a four-game set at home. Uh, they now have a nine-game lead in the division and an eight-game lead over the Astros for the best record in the American League. That's also the best record in baseball, by the way. But, um, Brian, what did you make of this Yankee series what have you made of this just onslaught by the Red Sox over the past? I mean, it's been the whole year, but really the last couple of weeks have been super impressive. I mean, I'm not the only one to think of this, and Dan Shaughnessy wrote about it, but this is for someone of my age, which begins with a four. Um, the Red Sox in the last 15 years have flipped the script to where they're on equal footing with the Yankees, but at no point until this year, I would say, has it been flat out true that they are so much better than the Yankees that they are the ones who get to put them in their place? This is a reversal of everything I knew, and it is so beautiful to watch. I can barely stand it. It's so nice. It's so nice to feel when you're watching these games like something good is going to happen rather than the impending sense of doom that, like – even though you're up a bunch of runs, that something terrible is going to happen. Like, that Sunday night baseball game is a perfect example of new Red Sox versus old Red Sox. Like, any other time in history of this series, uh, you would just go to bed at that point because they were down 4-1. to one. 
And instead you're like, ah, we'll just see what happens. And lo and behold. Well, that's a funny way of saying it because I have kids and the weekends are hard. I went to bed at 830, so I did not see very much of that game. Um, but I am not surprised at all with what happened, given what happened the previous games, given what happened the subsequent games. Um, as I wrote yesterday in the lineups post, it was how, how is the team going to win today? Not, not, not are they going to win? How is it going to happen today? Obviously, this won't last forever, but what I've always – the Red Sox were great up until this point. I've always thought that August, almost more than September, is the defining month. It's sort of the moving month. And they don't lose, so that's that's great. And I, the one thing I want to say about the Yankees is that as much as I just sort of hate them in general, it's incredible, incredibly instructive and uh, sort of puffs up the Red Sox a bit too. You said they're, seven, they're nine games ahead of the Yankees and they're eight games ahead of the Astros. The Yankees are good. Yeah. The Yankees are really good. If they hadn't beat the Yankees all those games, they'd be ahead of the Astros. So – the Red Sox are really special. Yeah, all three of those teams are on pace for uh, – well, two of them are on pace for about 100 wins exactly, and the Red Sox are on pace for about 114 right now. So, And they've uh, never won 100. Amazing. Yeah, they haven't won 100 uh, since 1946. So basically uh, the year before integration. So it's uh, – yeah, essentially they've never won 100. Uh, yeah, that that's a nice way to dovetail everything we've talked about this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the the uh, the record is from all the way back in 1912 where they won 105 games, but they're even ahead of where the winning percentage would be uh, for that right now. So it's pretty incredible. Um, biggest reason for them doing this over the last month, I think, is almost inarguably their starting pitching, which uh, Alex Spear recently wrote about. Over the past month, the starters have had like a sub-2 ERA. Um, we've seen some incredible starts from Eovaldi. Uh, I was at the game where Pomerantz threw that uh, complete game, just gem, best I've ever seen him pitch. Um, these guys I think, looking hold crazy. on, hold on. I think you mean Porcello. Yes, Porcello. Yes, of course. Not Pomerantz. Oh, man, that was wishful thinking right there. Freudian I, I was like, oh, my God, what did I miss? Did, was I in a coma for a day and <laughs> nobody told me? Yeah, you'd have to be to get Pomerantz to pitch like that. That's, uh, yeah, certainly not him, but but Porcello. Frankly, anyone. That was, a, I mean, that was as good as the Manea perfect game. I mean, it's just, it comes down to one stray pitch. I mean, the Pedro didn't have a perfect game when he pitched a game that was a lot like Porcello's, mm-hmm. better than Porcello's, but we're dealing in degrees of sort of genius here. Uh, honestly, it's how Stroman was pitching the other night before he got the blister, just when those when the pitchers are just uh, on one. It's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, it really was. And the thing that I thought was most impressive about the uh, Porcello start was just you realize how much Porcello does this with just pitch mix and guile and like it, the stuff is good. But what's really incredible about Porcello when he's going well is his command of his pitches and his sequencing and his ability to just move the ball around the strike zone. Um, it's really my – I think it's my favorite style of pitching. I find it more interesting than power pitching, but it's just really incredible – to look up at a guy throwing 89, 86, 91, um, and just making people look f- 
foolish. Porcello is like the the perfect blend to me when he's on of, as you were saying, it's like the, the mix between being a power pitcher and being Clay Buckholtz, where who I love more than almost anything. Don't get me wrong. But the what you were describing was what we the good parts of Clay Buckholtz. Right. Um, and I think that Porcello, when he pitches well, is like the good parts of Clay Buckholtz. The difference being that Clay Buckholtz's bads are worse and uh, the game takes six hours because somebody reaches first base once. Um, but I, I love it too. When, when he's on, it's you know when Crisale is on why he's striking everyone out. When Porcello is doing it, it's more of a matter of like how how can he keep doing this? How can he uh, sustain this from batter to batter? And watching it is part of the fun. Yeah, it's it's almost exhilarating. It's like being on a roller coaster when you're watching it because you're watching these pitches come in, and the logical side of your brain is like, ah, this isn't that elite. Like there's yeah, one of these times he's just gonna get walloped, and he just exists on that razor's edge the entire time, just doing it. Uh, and instead of Chili Davis hitting the home run like against Pedro, it was uh, Miguel Andujar. So, um, you know, it was uh, probably one of the better games I've seen in person, though. So that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, my question for you, Brian, is um, how many wins do you think the Red Sox will actually end up with at the end of this year? I'm going to say one... Oh, six. Okay. So you think they'll hit a little bit of a skid? No, what I think it, no, no, no. What I think, what I literally think is going to happen, because I don't think they'll be trying to win every game. Right. I think in the last week, it will be apparent that they don't need to do that. So I'm counting on sort of some last week, uh, a, a relative attrition. If I thought, like if the Yankees were one game back and they were that much better than everyone, I would put them at 108, I think, or 109. But I honestly think that they're going to find themselves with nothing to play for, and Su Wei Lin is going to be batting cleanup. So that wouldn't surprise me all too much. Um, Actually, no, Blake Swayhart will be batting cleanup. 100. Well, well then they're going to win 116 at that point. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go a little higher, obviously. I always uh, take the opposite side, if I can, Brian. Um, I'm going to take 112. I think they're going to they're gonna fall a little short of the, the mark that the Mariners set and that the uh, 98 Yankees set. That was 116, 114, respectively. But I think 112 is, uh, is where they're going to end up. Just I think that, dominating. That, I, that's totally fair. That's probably actually right. Uh, I'm just – I'm. I, honestly, it's hard for me to get ahead. I think the reason, like 106, should be a huge guess, and instead it's a pessimistic one. <laughs> no, you understand? It's, so crazy. it's really fucking with my head. <laughs> Best record in Red Sox history games. is pessimistic, <laughs> which they're going to blow past. Oh yeah, yeah. 105 has no shot at this point, unless like. Unless something catastrophic happens to this team. So I'm going to knock on wood here just in case. Um, so what about the Astros and the Yankees, though? These are really good clubs right here. Do you think that either of those two teams end up with over 100 games? And how close do they get to the Red Sox? 
Well, I mean, if they're eight games back right now and they're a little bit worse than the Red Sox and you think the Red Sox end at 112, that would put them around 100. So I wouldn't be surprised, uh, though I put the Red Sox a little bit lower. Those, It sort of figures that if the Red Sox don't have something to play for, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least one of them does. So, uh, yeah, I think one of them will and one of them will not. I, I think that the Yankees probably will not, but uh, they uh, they certainly could. It's It's just a matter of. We're picking a random number. You know, if it was one-on-one, the chances would be different. Yeah. Um, if if both of them do reach it, though, it'll be only the, the seventh time in history of baseball that they've had three uh, 100-plus win teams in the same year. Well, this is, their, this is the English soccer model, and that's sort of what the league has been all year, where you – it's not a matter of any team can win. It's like, no, here's the five teams that are good or who are elite. Here's the 20 teams that are fine. And here's the five teams that suck ass. The only difference is the teams that suck ass in baseball are still in the league next year. Right. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, and I actually really enjoy this brand of baseball. I like I like loaded teams. It's fun. It's a right. I've always said this and people say they don't it's not fun when like the warriors win all the time. And I understand that the NBA finals might not be fun to watch, but a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, and there, at least that's what I've always found that even when there's a dominant team, when the, the Yankees were winning every world series, I loved baseball and I hated the Yankees. You know, it's, it's good for everyone when there are the more great teams there are, the better it is for everyone. Now we root for one of those teams, that's nice, but we also love baseball, so I think that's why we like it too. Yeah, they sure as hell aren't complaining on ESPN. That Sunday night baseball game between the Sox and the Yankees drew one of the best ratings that they've drawn in 20-plus years. So uh, they're they're pretty happy with their result right now too. Um, I want to get to the AL MVP race because I think this might be the most interesting race uh, in the sport this year. Um, and one of the exciting things about it is that the American League has arguably the top five players in baseball. I think it's probably not that arguable. Um, all playing in the same league right now. And they're all contending for this award. Um, and four of them happen to play for, or yeah, four out of the five are playing for teams that are really, really good, uh, which certainly factors into this MVP race discussion. You know, all the old timers um, who have the vote still. Um, a lot of these guys don't just look at war. You know, they look at what team these guys play on, what uh, counting stats they have, things like that. Red Sox are lucky enough to have two guys in this discussion, uh, at least um, with uh, J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. A um, couple other names I want to mention. On the Indians, Jose Ramirez is having an incredible season. Uh, Francisco Lindor is also having a great season. And then there's always the, uh, the big fish in the room, Mike Trout. Um, who is leading American League in war uh, for the billionth year in a row, it seems like, um, at 7.6 war to 7.5 for Jose Ramirez based on fan graphs. Brian, thinking like a voter, who do you think will win this award if you had to place these guys? And then in your mind, like the way that you measure most valuable player, who would you have first out of this group? First of all, fish in a room does not sound good for Mike Trout. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I, that's a great way to phrase the question. Um, if the season, you, I feel like the only sensible thing to do is say if the season ended right now because I can't predict the future. Right. My criteria is pretty much the same, and it's or sort of determining what I think is going to happen doesn't change based on when I do it. I think right now it would be Mookie Betts, um, because as you sort of hint at, the MVP awards are not simply who is the most valuable player in a given year. There's like invisible politics to it. Sometimes there's visible politics, but there's also invisible politics. Like Mike Trout has won, what, three, two, two or three? He's won three and finished in the top three almost every other time he's been a player. Right. So, yeah, yeah, right. But Moogie Beth is not. He finished second once. Um, That that would play into it. Moogie Beth is also incredible. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you were to go on numbers, it would – if you're including defense, and I love J.D. Martinez and I love Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez – so good all these guys all these you you know what the crazy part is this is the crazy part about the whole thing if you looked at like kevin euclid or euclid and pedroia's numbers the year pedroia won the mvp pedroia uh i can hear you clicking pedroia (laughs) was good i always thought euclid was a little bit better but it didn't matter if you look at benintendi's numbers compared to those they're favorable right and he's not even in the discussion no, he, uh, he ranks 13th by war in the uh, league right now. In the majors. In the majors, out of everybody. Ben Intendi's having an incredible season. It's amazing. And he's not even, like, you wouldn't, you would, of course. Uh, I think Mookie would win it. And if I had to award it, I'll give it to Mookie. I would, I, the only other person I would consider is JD, honestly. That's really interesting. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I would have it Mookie first as well. Um, I'll deconstruct the Trout thing a little bit. I think if we were drafting a team, Trout would be the number one pick. That the Trout, would... the Trout injury helps a lot. I'm sorry. Like I love Mike Trout, but Mookie missed some time. So Mike Trout missing some time makes it sort of balanced again. It does. But I think even if you took away the time that he missed, I think if he played a complete season and Mookie still missed time, I don't think that the writers would give it to a guy on a non-playoff team. And just unfortunately for us as fans and, and everybody else, I mean, Mike Trout just doesn't get to play in the playoffs anymore. And I was I was looking at the I was that's why I was clicking around. I was looking at this um, while you were talking Um MVP, uh, his first full year, he was the rookie of the year, finished second in MVP, second the next year, first the next year, second the following year, first the next year, and then fourth last year when he missed a huge chunk of time when he played 114 games. So I think there's just the Jordan factor here too. You know, that's just too much fatigue. Jordan probably should have won it every single year that he was in the league, but he didn't because people got sick of him. So um, I think there's some of that. I really think these Indian guys, Indians guys, though, are going to be up there in the consideration because Mookie, you mentioned he has missed some time. Jose Ramirez really hasn't. He's been better on the bases by the numbers. He's been better defensively by the numbers. I mean, there's just 
so many things that look at Jose Ramirez and they're like, shit, man, this guy's incredible. Um, so I think if I was to score it personally, I'd do it Mookie, then Jose Ramirez, and then I'd have JD third. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning, like we both have JD Martinez either two or three in our personal rankings. And JD Martinez, in terms of war, which is sort of that all important thing that we talk about when we talk about this award, he's 11th in the league because, you know, he doesn't really play defense. It's not really a part of him. But I think that when you look at the counting stats with him, 34 home runs leads the majors, 98 RBIs leads the majors. And just what he's been able to do to the rest of the lineup for the Red Sox, I think if you had to pick an MVP on just the team, you can make a pretty good argument it's JD, right? Lou Merloni tweeted that exact thing yesterday. He said, I think JD Martinez is the MVP of the Red Sox and Mookie Betts is the MVP of the league. Um, and I get it. Before the season, I predicted JD Martinez would be the MVP of the league. Mm-hmm. And it would still not surprise me. Like if Mookie got hurt, God forbid. Mm-hmm. or slowed down um it would not like if he hits 50 home runs and get 150 rbis would it surprise me if they win 110 games and mookie sits out some games if jd martinez wins mvp no it would not because that's ridiculous it's crazy he's so good he is death he is death at the plate I, and i think we we gotta uh we gotta talk about the the other side of the coin here as to why war isn't sort of the end all be all and matt's usually around for us to do for to do this for us because matt notoriously doesn't like war that much but just what jd brings no, matt to... notoriously doesn't like anything that much <laughs> that's very true um, but what jd brings to the lineup you just can't calculate you know you can calculate it in the raw numbers and stuff like that but just the whole persona that he's taken on as sort of a player's coach anytime anybody's getting into struggles they work with him just the 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 way that he approaches hitting i think has really changed the dynamic of the team as well so um that's the signing just couldn't have worked out any better it's 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 the best signing since manny ramirez has to be it, right i mean it's the sort of the same signing <laughs> um but even it, i think maybe even a more positive influence on the team you know, the like only baseball yeah, side. Well, right, but hold on. But let me just – this is where I'm going to play the age card. Sure. This is, this is true. I'm not – this is how I felt at the time, but it was also true. Before Manny, no one ever came to Boston. No one wanted to. People wanted not to. That shit was a big deal. Right. So like, and Manny was great. And I agree. Like I didn't think I'd see a better right-handed hitter than Manny within 10 years, but, and it hasn't been, it's been more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. So now I, so you watch him, you watch JD. And it's like, this is, you know, he's, if it was just for hitting, it would be him. He would win it. Right. I think that's to me, that would be hands down. And I think that's even if trout, uh, maybe if he only got hurt for like half the time, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make it fair, JD. I'm sorry. So to 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 wrap this discussion up a little bit, if you're predicting it today, how do you, how do you think the writers have the top three? 
bets as a consensus. Mm-hmm. Bets Lindor Trout. Bets Lindor Trout. Interesting. Okay. I would go bets Jose Ramirez Trout. I think that's how I'm that's how I think it's gonna go down. Um, I think you and I are on the same we're on the same path though. Like they know who they think is the best. Mm-hmm. They know they have to rank Trout. And then it's just gonna be personal preference for the second guy. I would love to see JD sneak in there with like a third, but I don't know. Might not happen. It's it seems like the obligatory you have to put Trout in the top three every time. It's also all of these guys, every single one of them, could have won an MVP in 25 other seasons with the numbers they have. Oh, and it's worth mentioning also that the National League is a shit show compared to the American League right now. It's like a complete free for all. Matt Carpenter is leading the way in war right now over there. Nolan Arenado's second. Um, there's just kind of like a, I mean, Larry Freeman's in discussion. It's, it's Freddie weird. Freeman, Freddie, Freddie Freeman's pretty good. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, they're guys who are going to piss you off in the playoffs more than you sort of are thinking about as like elites of the game. Yeah. They're yeah. obviously amazing baseball players, but it's, you're, it's just interesting that the, five best players and maybe more if you extend it out to pitching are all in the AL. You want to give a uh, an NL guess out of that whole quandary of people? You know, I th- was thinking Freeman up until recently, but if the Cardinals make the playoffs, I think it'll be Carpenter. Interesting. Yeah, Carpenter's definitely got the best numbers. I think I'm going to go Arenado. Just because of the defense factor, his defense is ridiculous, and I think the writers love that component as well. I do. The problem to me is just if if a contender is if, – if, if an MVP contender is on a playoff contender that barely makes it, and Aaron – I mean the Rockies are not going to make the playoffs. Is that correct? They're, they're currently two and a half games back of the division okay, leader. If they so. make the playoffs, yes, Arenado. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really don't know enough to say, honestly, um, which which speaks to how bad they are because I like I relatively, extremely relatively bad they are. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Okay. Um, so I want to get to pitching again. Um Good news on the ace front. Uh, Chris Sale is going to be coming off the DL and making his start Sunday against the Orioles. Um, I think at this point, I want to get into another award talk here. First of all, I think the team dodged a little bit of a bullet with Sale. It seems like from listening to Cora talk on the radio about this injury, if it had been September and they had been in a tight playoff race, Sale would have taken the ball. And I guess that Sale was a little bit hesitant to go on a DL stint, as you'd expect from him, because he's a literal crazy person uh, in the best way possible. But he gets to miss a couple starts, keep his workload down, um, and is presumably going to be extra healthy for the rest of the season. So I guess two things, Brian. Are you worried about Sale's health at all, or do you think this was kind of just maintenance stuff? And then is he still the favorite for the American League Cy Young? at this point well i think 
that the first are just purely speculation. The first two questions. I, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea what really happened with him. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I can say having missed one start that, yes, he is still the favorite. Now, this is when he sort of lost it last year. So we'll see. And he knows that. And he has said that his whole plan this year was to avoid fading right now. So we will see whether he can do that. Now, an injury would be one thing. Uh, but if he's not hurt and he – I think he's you know the leader in the clubhouse right now, so to speak. You know there's only one guy ahead of him in the American League in terms of war right now? Is it Corey Kluber? It is not Corey Kluber. I'm Jose wondering Ramirez. if you can guess it. Jose Ramirez? Oh, it's a pitcher. Pitcher, yeah, pitcher. Other, one other pitcher. Is it Porcel? <laughs> no. Um, oh, oh, okay. hold on. Is it a reliever or a starter? It's a starter. I'm going to take one guess at this. I'm going to give me 10 seconds. Okay. You can Jeopardy music, if I'm gonna, only. I'm going to uh, give you a few names while you're thinking about it. Um, Corey Kluber, Luis Severino, um, Justin Verlander. Garrett Cole is none of these guys. Garrett Cole, um, Trevor Bauer. Um, Not Bauer. Oh, my God. Carlos Carrasco. These are some of the guys in the discussion. Charlie Morton. Uh, Jose Barrios. Or not the person who's who's in the lead. No, I named one of the I named the person who is in All the right, lead. Charlie Morton. I guess it's Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton. No, Charlie Morton checks in at nineteen. Um, okay. Trevor Bauer is. Oh, okay, yeah. Him. That yeah. that that makes sense. When you said that, I forgot that Trevor Bauer was one of the options. I should have said that. It's ridiculous the season he's having. Two twenty-five ERA with peripherals to match, and he's throwing one hundred and sixty innings at this point. It's crazy. He's having a freakishly good season. Yeah, this he's gonna be good for a while. Um, he's, the, I mean, to use Silicon Valley terminology, this guy fucks. I mean, <laughs> he, he does. He's such a troll, and he's a weird dude. But you know what? This guy has it. I just don't know if, if he's kind of been in the discussion long enough that voters would if so. He's neck and neck with Sale no, right now. I don't know if I don't know matter. if voters would put him over Sale at this point. They wouldn't for the same reason I was talking to the MVP. It's not simply this year. Sale also like the people who love the game and love pitching probably want Sale to win a Cy Young Award on some level, and this would be the year. And Bauer has a lot more years, um, so I would guess that any sort of toss up. Um, advantage would probably go to Sale for that reason. Every single year since Sale has been a starting pitcher, he has finished in the top six in Cy Young voting. Right. He's like the Phil Mickelson, except for he's good and Phil Mickelson sucks. Yeah, he's like good Phil Mickelson. There you go. Yeah. And not well, and also not fat in any way. Just you know what, Phil Mickelson's a shitty comparison. He's like Chris. He was because he's awesome. All right, so. Uh, final predictions on Chris Sale. Is he walking away with the award this year? Yes. I agree. All right. So we get to talk about Craig Kimbrell because we have been talking about this online a little bit. It's definitely been a hot-button discussion amongst Red Sox fans. 
He has not looked good lately. He has been struggling. First of all, I want to talk about some of the numbers here to put his struggles in context. Um, so I have him right in front of me. Over the last uh, six and one-third innings that he's pitched since the All-Star break, he's got a 7.71 ERA with five walks, seven strikeouts, and opponents have a 292, 433, 583 line off of him. He's been bad since the All-Star break. The command has been off. There's been a lot of red flags. His command's actually been a lot more similar uh, to the command that he had in 2016. Brian, are you concerned about Craig Kimbrell? Well, I mean, it's not the most encouraging stuff in the world. But I will say that, uh, one, I think he's in his own head. And the reason I think that is because, A, he's – clearly in his own head and B every time this happens he gives up the tying run and then he just relaxes and goes back to throwing fastballs early in the count instead of trying to set them up and then when he tries to set them up like get to smoke has to throw a 3-0 pitch for a throw a 3-0 fastball which gets taken deep he just attacks the hitters once he ties the game and he's fine I think he, that's not good for a closer, though. No, especially it's not in the good. playoffs. It's not good for a closer, but here's the thing: it is not the playoffs right now. And um, I think that the only thing with worrying about Kimball is it doesn't—he's as lodged into that role as anyone is going to be in any role, as long as the season is going on. So there's—I—it needs to happen many more times before they think of changing it. So I, it's not that I feel, you know, if it's a two-run game, I feel perfectly confident. If it's a one-run game, I feel not confident at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And I also agree that in some respects it's not worth worrying about because there's nothing you can do about it. Like at this point in the season, he is so far and away the best option in your bullpen. I mean, I think you could make the argument for Matt Barnes if you really wanted to, but the tra- track record and everything with Kimbrell, uh, he's the guy. So, but, but my point is, like, you're going to worry about that. Is obviously true, but my point is just this is not a position where they will, would, or even like sort of could make a change. It's not like getting rid of Hanley Ramirez. No, it would be because he would still be there. It's, there's no there's there's nothing like there's nothing you can do but just live with Kimbrel and my hope all I'm saying is my hope is that because I when once he relaxes in these games he just destroys everyone so I would like him to just do that to start so Kimbrel's contract is up after this year and I know that we don't want to talk too much about beyond this year. But it got me thinking as to whether or not the team would look to re-sign Kimbrell. And we've talked about it a little bit on this show. Uh, you think it's like midway through last season. This is all you think about, this yeah, stuff. You know, I love contracts. Yeah, uh, I know. That's, what, yeah, that's good. Embrace it. Yeah, it's my thing. Um, but I was I was looking at Kimbrell, and I went on baseball reference, and I was looking at similarity scores. So nine other pitchers that have you know, similar career stats to him at this point. And I was trying to figure out, like, well, how, how did some of these guys age? So I started looking at all these different players and looking at their pitch mix. And the thing that I couldn't figure out was, like, 
I have no friggin' clue how Craig Kimbrell's gonna age because no one's like him. You know, the the most similar pitcher to him that I could possibly find was Greg Holland, who has not had a very graceful aging curve into his 30s. But he's such a two-pitch guy that relies on just the fastball in this knuckle curve that, like, there's no one else like him. All the other players who I looked at had three, four offerings that they could go to, change their stuff up as they got a little bit older. I mean, this is Kimbrel. He's got the fastball. He's got that breaking pitch. And if he can't come in that breaking pitch, man, he's too friggin' predictable. And his control goes. So my thing is... I think the team would be taking a massive risk by re-signing him in the offseason. And if it was me in charge, I would probably walk away from Kimbrell and look for a different option. It's not like there's a shortage of amazing relievers. And it's not like, you know, I don't care about who has saves versus do not have saves. Craig Kimball clearly cares because he's, you know— Something with the save situation messes with him, even though he just blew a classic save situation. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't be disappointed if they did get him. I mean, even with what he's going through, because it's easy to get upset about the bad times when you forget how quickly the good times pass, because closers, when they're good, it just it goes very fast and it's, and it's nice and it's just taken for granted so i i agree that he he won't be the most cost effective because he, he might neither be the most cost effective nor best option on the market however he won't be he still won't be a bad option that's that's my take yeah i agree that he's not going to be a bad option my thing with him so is he won't that... be a bad player so he won't be a bad player his the, the thing with Kimbrel though is that he's been so ridiculously historically good over his career. I just have a feeling that he's going to command a four or five year deal even in his age 30 season. And like the deal that I would feel comfortable giving to Craig Kimbrel would be a two year deal at high money with a mutual option or a team option for the third season. And I just don't think there's any way possible he takes that. Well, the only thing I, I don't disagree with the logic on it the only thing i can say is that i think uh it's more more than likely that baseball's offseason returns to what we've seen every other baseball offseason especially with the class that's out there however i would it's not impossible that it does for the non-superstar players uh, and so it depends on whether you think Craig Kimball is a superstar, how it plays for them. I, th- I I actually am probably likely to think that you're right no matter what, but it's possible that the huge money is not out there for a 30X-year-old closer. But then again, there are team like there's going to be a team that comes up just short, cough, Seattle, and uh, though they have Edwin Diaz, they, they're probably the last team that needs him. But somebody who is looking for that one tiny little thing to put them over the top, yeah, I can see it. But they have to be the ones ready to spend too. So someone's likely to overpay for him. I just hope it's it's not Boston. But I agree with you. I, I think. But you're saying if Boston does it, is it overpaying? 
Yeah, I guess it depends. But, yeah, I know. But, I mean, Boston should, in theory, have unlimited money. You know who should sign up? The Mets. I mean, that is the most, most, most Mets thing possible. <laughs> totally. So I think they're to- – because they want to com- they want to win next year. And the- what signals you want to win more than signing a closure to a four-year deal, Billy Wagner. So, yeah, do it. Go for it. Billy Wagner was filthy. I, I, he was one of the comparisons that came up. I was looking at his numbers. He He's retired a very, with like a 1.7 ERA the year before. Very good Kimbrough comparison. Yeah. Very good Kimbrough comparison. Um, all right, so I want to move on to a few more topics before we end today. I want to talk about Brian Johnson real quick because Brian Johnson has been in the starting rotation for a while now. Uh, he's got about a 4 ERA. Um but he's looked much better than that, especially as of late. Uh, he did very well against the Yankees the other day with 11 strikeouts. He looked great yesterday until he made that one mistake pitch to Grichuk. Um, he pitched seven strong in that game. Uh, he's looked really good. And Pomerantz, conversely, has looked like absolute dog shit, doesn't have his stuff, doesn't have his velocity, um, doesn't command his breaking ball anymore. He walked like five guys. Um it seems like the writing's on the wall with Pomerantz. Uh, Matt wrote about this today on the site, and his preference would be to DFA Pomerantz to make some room. I agree with Matt. I would love to see Pomerantz DFA'd, and I want to see Brian Johnson keep this spot. So I wonder what you think is going to happen with these guys and what you think should happen with these two. The way they've treated Pomerantz leads me to believe they wouldn't DFA him. However... After Hanley, nothing would surprise me. And uh, I would much rather have Brian Johnson pitching than Drew Pomerantz. He gives you a chance, you know? His command's been awesome. He gives you a chance. Also, they've got a bit of a roster crunch coming up. Because when you look at things, when Blake Swihart gets activated, they're going to option Butler. That makes sense right there. When Chris Sale comes out. Yeah, I suppose so. Right, yeah. I hate Blake so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> when when Chris Sale comes up, they're going to have to do something with their roster as well. And it seems like, you know, Pomerantz might be the guy to go at that point. And then Kinsler also has to come up, which would leave maybe one of Workman or Velasquez to get that spot. Um, and the only guys who have options in the bullpen right now are Workman, Velasquez, in Brazier, and Brazier's got a 1.32 ERA and has been increasingly used in, you know, pretty important situations lately. So, I don't really know what the hell they're gonna do. They got to get rid of one of these guys. They can't keep them all, and Pomerantz is out of options, and Stephen Wright, if when he comes back, is out of options. So, there's a legitimate logjam here. Well, I can't say they should get rid of Brazier because he's like just right-handed Bobby Pointer, and uh, it's. And his name is in – my name is in his name, Ryan Brazier. It's right there. Um, it's actually Brian Sierra. I wonder where the Sierra is. Anyhow, um, yeah, Pomerantz is useless. And uh, is this the end of his contract? Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I think – I actually think that's the most likely scenario then. DFA. See you later. When is, uh, when is Erod coming back? Uh, Erod is currently throwing right now um, and supposedly looks good, but I don't think that his timeline is all that soon. Yeah, you know, yesterday the the official 
Twitter account of the Boston Red Sox, uh, RedSox.com, which is not a paid advertisement. Um, they wrote, like, Brian Johnson makes another fill-in start. And I even wrote this in the lineups post. I was like, you guys can maybe sort of knock that off at this point. It's, I think he's probably in the rotation right now, given uh, everything that's going on. So that's another way of saying, peace out, Drew. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best thing for the club, and I think it's it's an awesome story about Brian Johnson too, because he's a guy that battled a lot of stuff, the public anxiety, and he kind of lost this stuff for a little while. And I saw Ian Cundell, or not, it wasn't Ian Cundell, it was uh, Hatfield from Sox Prospects, uh, tweeting out yesterday, like the the fourth and fifth starter, uh, Brian Johnson is now officially back. Like that's what the stuff looks like. He looks like a legitimate fourth or fifth starter on an MLB team. So that's somebody that I think you try as much as possible to keep around. And he's out of options too, so you can't really option him. Um, Devers came back yesterday, hit a laser. Um, Holtz moved to the bench. Nunez started at second. Nunez's defense is still kind of crappy. What do you think about this move? Are you cool with Nunez starting over Holtz? I don't get it because in looking for things to write about, as we talked about for this podcast, is much easier to talk and write about teams that are not like perfect representations of baseball. <laughs> is that watching Nunez and bad at bats is like if he gets strike one on him, that it is over. Um, because especially with righties, because he cannot lay off – I mean he can lay off the slider occasionally but then watches the inside fastball. He, it seems to me like he attacks strike one and if he gets it, that's good because he can hit in that case. Uh, and he can't field the second base, so that's a problem. I just – I don't – the only thing I get is that they're just sort of grasping at straws until Kinsler comes back. Kinsler, as you wrote very, uh, very well, I should say. Thank you, sir. Uh, is the second coming of Dustin Petroia and just like uh, you couldn't you couldn't draw up a better guy for this team. Yeah, Kinsler's awesome. I can't wait till he comes back. Uh, the throw that he made uh, over the weekend, where he fielded the ball in basically center field and threw the guy out at first while you know basically jumping backwards, was just breathtaking. Honestly, I was just. After seeing Nunez for so long this year, I was just like, holy shit, it doesn't get any better than this. I don't remember that play, but I assume you're not lying about it happening. Oh, it was so good. So good. Anyhow, um, yeah, I the only thing I can think of here is that, like you said, they're probably just biding their time until Kinsler comes back. And then I think that Holt is definitely going to be the go-to bench guy when the full team is back on the field. And I think that he's almost a victim of his own success here because Cora, as we've seen, feels comfortable basically putting Holt anywhere. He's played him at short. He's played him at second. He's played him at third, I want to say, this year. I mean, I know that Holt's played third. He kind of sucks there. But, like, I think he's more willing to play Holt all around the field than he is Nunez. So I have to think that maybe that's kind of what is going on and maybe he's just giving him a little bit of extended rest because 
man, I mean, Nunez and Holt have gotten way more work than anybody anticipated they would get this year. Yeah, I agree with um, all of that. I, I do think that um, when, I mean, when Christian Vasquez comes back, if and when, that you might see Blake Swihart at second, maybe. But uh, those those days may have passed too. But I agree that Brock Holt cannot be stopped. He just this is what he does. When he's healthy, is he fits in everywhere, and really fits in. I mean, he's, he's a quality baseball player, and uh, it's a cool thing, even if it's very like liking the white scrappy guy uh stereo stereotypical whatever he, he's it for real it's so unlike boston to have one of these guys yeah isn't it? yeah <laughs> so unlike the new england area yeah um before we uh we get out of here uh i just want to put out some best witches to uh jerry remy who we got the news over the weekend the sad news that uh jerry remy's cancer came back for the fourth time so uh, it's just been a pleasure listening to him in the booth uh, this year with Eck, especially. I know Twitter has just been a light about how good those guys are together. Um, it's but... special. It's it's hard to re. It's hard to. You watch enough as much baseball as we do. Like we like Orsillo and Remy, and that was special. It was. But Eck and Remy is something. Um. We were all – I mean I, the, the, the thing about it because Remy has had health issues the whole time and they generally work in place of each other. So you don't get them on. But when they're on together, it is – it's a it's a different – it's it's great. I mean it's great in a way that uh, I'm glad we're enjoying for what it is every time we get it because we're not going to get it that often. Yeah, totally agree with you. It's as good as it gets when those guys are on together. So hopefully he gets well. Uh, beats this thing again and gets right back in the booth. Um, that'd be awesome. So, uh, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts, and subscribe to the show. Also, give us a rating. Uh, rate us five stars. Tell us you enjoy the show, or tell us you hate it. Um, and then you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Over the Monster account for all your Red Sox news at Over the Monster. You can follow Brian Joyner on Twitter at, at Brian Joyner, Brian with an, a Y, Joyner with an I. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at DevJake. Thank you again, and we'll be with you again next week. <laughs>